following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Right, there is no such thing as a professional minister. That's, that, that's not the way the Bible describes ministry at all. There's fine people, including myself, do this for uh, uh, as living, as supported financially to do the work of ministry. And that's not, I do this so I can make money. It's I get money so I can do this. That's different. I, um, lots of people work a job on the side or whatever, or by vocational. And I did that when I first came here. Praise the Lord, I don't have to do that anymore. So I can focus on this work. Um, but I did not go to Bible college or seminary. I don't suggest to any of the young people I talk about that are considering lifelong ministry in this way. I don't, con- I don't encourage them to take the same track I did. Um, it's a long and winding road. And that's not just a Paul McCartney song. Um, anyway, when I think about ministry, I don't want us to get confused to think about a professional minister. That's because there is no such thing. We are all, as disciples of Jesus Christ, called into ministry, to service of the Lord, service of people. But when it comes to training for these sort of things, we must never underestimate the power of modeling when it comes to discipleship. And what a tremendous impact a good model can have on the life of our uh, uh, life of a disciple. I think it's very important. Um, we have connected with the group LifeBridge. Their the whole purpose is to mentor uh, young people, to connect them with someone who has walked on the road for a while and specifically walk with the Lord to help young people that have no foundation that way to grow and be successful adults and maybe even come to know the Lord Jesus. The modeling is what they're doing. And here in our text this morning, Paul reminds Timothy and us of his own example that we can read about and that Timothy got to see with his own eyes. Now remember, um, if you can, remember a few weeks ago we were talking about Paul um, was just writing about uh, the tares or the weeds that grow up with the wheat of the church, people that have attached themselves to the church family like wolves in sheep's clothing, looking to snatch people away from the true faith to follow after them. All right, This is where he's coming from when he starts these verses. He says, You, however, you, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul turns his attention, excuse me, away from the wolves and turns his attention to Timothy to remind him of the example that has been set for him to follow. When he says there in verse 10, you have followed my teaching, uh, the word followed there means that you observed personally uh, Paul's teaching and example, and he has been imitating it. 
Um, listen, not, um, it's not just academic for Timothy. Not I wrote it in a pamphlet and you got to read that and just do it, you're fine. You got to see it for yourself. You got to see how I endured suffering. You got to see uh, my teaching at work. Second Thessalonians 3, 7 through 9. 1 Corinthians 4.16 and 1 Corinthians 11.1. Three times Paul urges the church to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Timothy got to see that example firsthand. We talk about imitating Christ. Be like Jesus. We want to grow to be more like Jesus, right? And that's a good thing. Paul says, here's how you do it. You live your life like I live mine. Because I'm imitating Christ, and I don't uh, polish not God. So it's resources not available to him uh, that were available to the Lord Jesus. Timothy got to see Paul's example firsthand, and we get to read about what Timothy saw from Paul, but we also get to read so much more. Timothy was only uh, in the, the book of Acts for a little bit. Paul was in there for a lot. And wrote all of these letters in the New Testament. He gave us an example to follow. A model Christian to emulate. And here in this text we can see examples for Timothy and for us to follow. In the face of persecution and difficulty specifically. The area really encompasses the whole thing. When you consider Paul as an example to follow. Uh, it's, It's Paul's teaching. It's all of it. Not just the words that he said, but the life that he lived. He reminded uh, Timothy back in chapter 1 and to follow the pattern of the sound words that you heard from me. Paul taught the truth about life, and his teaching came directly from the Lord. Now, I don't know if you know this. I've, we've worked on these for a long time. Uh, Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And we've been studying them one at a time, and here we are on the last one. Peter, you've heard of him, the apostle Peter. He referred to Paul's writing as Scripture, as God's Word. And further on here in chapter 3 of Second Timothy, Paul wrote that all Scripture is breathed out by God. Paul's words here were the inspired word of God. He taught the truth about life. But it's not Paul. It's the Holy Spirit at work in Paul that made all the difference. And it's the same with us. Paul had gifts and abilities and likes and dislikes. And and so do we. And it's the same Holy Spirit that was alive and at work in Paul that is alive and at work in us. I think sometimes the difference is Paul's doors were open for the Holy Spirit to work. Sometimes I wonder if he might have just taken them off the hinges. And sometimes ours are kind of sticky, you know. They don't always want to open up to the Spirit's work. I don't know. Maybe. Paul had a willingness to be used by the Lord. But it wasn't just his words alone. That would be easy. If it's just words, you can hide behind a wall and write letters, right? But Paul, well, he was behind the walls, underground, in a cage, writing these letters for his testimony 
of Christ. And it's not just his words he used to teach Timothy and us, it's his example as well. In reminding Timothy of his example, he was reminding him of the limits of the efforts of man. Right? Remember where Paul is, in a hole in the ground, an old cistern uh, that's now used as a prison, and he's writing scripture. Right? So, how effective are the walls and the, and the bars and the work of the Lord? Not, not real good. This letter been around for a long time. Lots of people have gotten to read it. I don't know if you know that. We're not the only ones that have it. Paul is reminding Timothy of the limits of the efforts of man, but the limitless power of God. It's not bars and cages that are going to stop God's word. Over and over, men had tried to silence Paul. At Pisidian Antioch, the Jews stirred up persecution so that Paul was forced to leave town, shaking the dust off his sandals as a testimony against them. He left there and went to Iconium and preached, and his opponents planned to stone him. So uh, so he left there when he found out, and he fred, fled to Lystra, where the Lord, through Paul, healed a blind man and people were so excited, they went, they thought uh, Paul and Barnabas were Zeus and Hermes, and they're going to start sacrificing bulls in the middle of town. And the people started freaking out, and they, it results in a near riot. And Paul ended up getting rocks thrown at him until they thought he was dead. And it dragged him out of the city. But God spared his life. This is what he's saying here. You saw my persecutions at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. That's the, that's the type of thing Paul is talking about. Right? Don't we get bummed when I don't want to talk about a Jesus at work. I might get fired. Or I don't want to tell my friend about the Lord because they might not want to talk to me so much they might think I'm some kind of nut. This kind of doesn't really compare. In reminding Timothy of these horrors, he was reminding him and reminding us teaching us that God is in charge and not man. Man's abilities have limits, but God's do not. Those people want to kill Paul to silence him, to stop God's word from advancing. And even though they were eventually successful and Paul was executed, God's word is not stopped, right? You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul taught the truth about life, but his teaching were not just words. It was in his conduct. In the face of persecutions, he continued to act Christianly, if there is such a word. His actions were controlled by the Spirit and the Word of God. Are we given a wonderful model in the words of Paul, in the life of Paul, in his conduct, and also his attitude? He reminds Timothy of his aim in life, that which was most important to him. Say, you not only follow my teaching, but you follow my aim in life. And what is his aim in life? What was it? In 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he says, 
It is our aim to please the Lord. That was Paul's goal. How did that work out through his life? Well, we can read about all the things that happened to him in his effort to please the Lord. How different would our lives be if we asked ourselves the question, is what I'm thinking or saying or doing or about to do pleasing to the Lord? Friends, my life would be very different. Hmm. He reminds Timothy of his faith, his confidence in God to accomplish his will. He knew that God was at work, even if he couldn't see him working. He trusted him. What a wonderful example. We can have the same aim as Paul. We can have the same trust as Paul. He reminds Timothy of his patience. Patience is in regard to people. I know you know some of them. And it requires patience. This also, uh, the, the old King of James call it long-suffering. And that sounds familiar when you're dealing with people, right? Long-suffering. It's also a fruit of the Spirit. Something only the Lord can develop in us. Paul patiently endured the suffering that was caused by people and their stubborn resistance to the truth. What a wonderful example. With the Spirit's help, we too can have patience like that. Paul could have been shaking his fist from that hole in the ground. You bunch of jerks, let me out of here. I didn't do nothing. Is that what he did? No, not at all. He reminds Timothy also of his love. This is a tricky word, 2019. This is not love as the world defines love. This is a type of love that sees that every person has value. Whether they agree with you or not, every person has value. It does not mean to universally accept the opinions and behaviors of other people because I love you, I'm going to let you do whatever you want and not tell you what you're doing is wrong. That's not love. That's cowardice. It sees opponents as captives and not as enemies. If you stand on the side of the truth, based on God's word, a standard outside of your own opinions and biases. This is the love that Jesus expressed when he asked the father of those who were crucifying him to forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. What a wonderful example. We too can have that love. He reminds Timothy of his steadfastness. Steadfastness is not quitting when things get hard because his confidence was in God to accomplish God's work. Steadfastness is like a mother giving birth. I cannot share from personal experience, but I've been nearby when this has happened before. The agony and anguish of labor pains are nearly unbearable. But literally, by pushing through the pain, you experience the wonder and joy of a newborn baby. Again, this is an example of trust. 
trust in the Lord for the outcome, regardless of how hard it is to get there. What a wonderful example. We too can have that steadfastness. All these examples are wonderful. And it almost sounds, even my own ears, that I've been saying without saying, just try harder and it'll all be fine. You'll do better if you try harder. Well, that's baloney. In this scenario, the secret ingredient is not effort. That's a saying in our house, but that's not the secret ingredient in this scenario. The Lord does not give us the example of just trying harder. Just try harder and you'll be better. Paul was not rescued over and over from persecution by his own effort. So how was he rescued? You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Where's a try harder than that? <laughs> there isn't any. So what is the secret ingredient? There must be one, right? That's what we're always looking for. What is the secret to making this happen? Paul knew and modeled the secret of practicing a divine presence. This is not secret hidden wisdom. Spooky, creepy, got to know the password and the secret handshake to get. This is the fruit of trusting in Jesus. It's not just God is some nebulous force out there somewhere and he doesn't kill me every day, so that's good. This is trusting in the person of Jesus Christ. When we come to faith in Christ Jesus, we not only trust him with our sin and its penalty, Faith in Jesus did not stop at the cross. We entrust our entire lives to him because he is a living savior. And when we trust our lives to Jesus, we can know that he is with us the whole way. Walking beside us, carrying us through the most trying of times. You've all seen the or heard the footprints poem, right? The guy's walking on the beach and he sees two sets of footprints and the Lord says, there's two sets of footprints as you and me. This is paraphrased, obviously. Uh, the one, But I saw one point, there's only one set of footsteps. What's going on there? And the Lord says, that's, that's when I carried you. And that long groove is where I was dragging you, kicking and screaming. <laughs> but this is how it is with the Lord. It's not just some concept. It's not some set of traditions and rules that we have to follow. He's a person who loves us and lives inside of us by faith. And it's when we ignore his presence that we sin. It's when we forget that he's with us that we wander into all kinds of foolishness. But he is still there. He who stood in the fiery furnace, who closed the mouths of lions, 
who opened prison doors, who holds the keys of death and hell, who died and rose again, our deliverer, it's him who walks with us and lives inside of us. And he will never leave us or forsake us. Persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. And so, what can we expect if we take this lesson to heart? If we follow this wonderful example of godly living and trust in Jesus, what can we expect? Everything is just going to go great for us. Right? So smooth. Yes, I am. I can tell you all about it. Put your trust in Jesus and your life will get so easy. Man, it's great. That was not in the notes. The notes say trouble. That's what you can expect. Verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. There are buildings across this world this morning that are full with preachers telling people, just trust in Jesus. Man, life is going to be fine. I'd like to examine their definition of fine. Because that's not what the Lord Jesus promised. He promised trouble. It's encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, we've not been promised sunshine and rainbows if we follow Jesus. As faithful as our example Paul was, he was still beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and imprisoned and executed. Why? For imitating Jesus, for following the Lord Jesus, following Jesus' example. And what was Jesus' example? He was forsaken by his friends, mocked beaten, dressed up as a clown, and crucified. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Though Jesus was mistreated and brutally killed, God raised him from the dead. And though Paul was mistreated and killed, when Jesus comes back, he too will be raised from the dead. Along with us, and along with all of those Christ followers who have lived throughout the ages, we will live together in, with Jesus in God's eternal kingdom. Insert hallelujah here. Right? How bad can it get? So they kill you. So what? They can't stop God from raising you from the dead to live together with him in his kingdom. Lose your job, lose your friends, whatever. What is that in the face of spend eternity with, with Christ Jesus in God's kingdom? It seemed kind of temporary, right? This life we're living now is temporary. Whatever thing anybody can do to try to silence God's word, whether it's personal persecutions or or legislation to come down from government and all of a sudden it's illegal to read the Bible or pray to talk and say the name of Jesus anywhere. In a lot of countries in this world it is. So what? You do it anyway. Why? 
Because God is God and not man. Man's abilities are limited. Don't fear he who can kill this body, but fear he who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Right? God is more powerful. Well, I did intend to get so preachy there. But it's the truth. And until the day when Christ returns, let us, like Paul, trust Jesus, not just with our sin, but with our lives, making it our special aim in everything to please the Lord. Amen? Amen. You have to say amen. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, this is not a game. We're not just playing around. We can't afford to do that. Lord, I pray we would take these words seriously. That we would be willing to make pleasing you our aim in everything, even if it costs us everything. Because we know man can do nothing to us. Nothing eternal. Nothing that really counts. If you're calling us to the work, may we be faithful. May our doors be open to the work of your Spirit. That we would serve you. We would represent you well in this world and imitate you, just as the Apostle Paul did. Thank you for this wonderful example you have given to us. May we be faithful to follow it. And Lord, we recognize we cannot do that without your Spirit's help. So we beg you, Lord, please help us. Help us in our unbelief. Help us in our times of mistrust. Help us when following you is hard and decisions are challenging. We know, Lord, that you know and you are greater. May our trust in you grow. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.